This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am Gwen Cooper, your host, and just so delighted to be with you here today after having taken a week off to enjoy the 4th of July. I hope you guys had a a good holiday weekend, those of you who are listening to us here in the U.S. and, um, and celebrated the holiday as well. Later on in today's episode, we will be speaking with Dr. Lynn Barr, veterinarian Dr. Lynn Barr, uh, because so many of us, again, at least here in the U.S., and I'm not sure how widespread this problem is, but we are seeing record-breaking heat this summer, especially in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have such great memories of, of various trips that I've taken to Seattle and Portland in the summer, specifically because it is just typically so cool and lovely and refreshing there. And so it's it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around these triple-digit temperatures that we've been seeing. Um, but anyway, we are going to be discussing this with with Dr. Barr and things that you should be keeping an eye on or that you can do to keep both your own cats comfortable and also any outdoor colonies or, or ferals who you might be taking care of. And I know a lot of you are rescuers or volunteers or, or you just in a very unofficial capacity feed and take care of kitties in your backyard or your neighborhood. And so just some things that you should be aware of and, and ways that you might be able to to help them stay a little bit more comfortable if the heat is distressing them. And I ended up speaking with Dr. Barr for a while, so I'm going to kind of jump right into that interview. But before we get there, I, I did want to say something and, and along the lines both of, of volunteers and, and current events and so on, um, so many of you have reached out to me in the wake of the the that condominium collapse in Surfside, Florida, which is actually very, very close to where I grew up. But some of you who've read Love Saves the Day will recall that one of the the central events in that novel is the the demolition of a building that its residents were forced to evacuate on very short notice, and many of them were not able to bring their pets with them. And and so those pets were still in the building when it was demolished. It it is a, a tragic story. This, of course, was not a planned or deliberate demolition. It was a collapse. But nevertheless, we know, of course, that in such scenarios, many people end up losing their pets. It is an unfathomably tragic situation all the way around, both for, for any animals that may have been left or who were in the building when it collapsed as well as the the people who were there and and the families who lived there. But amidst all the heartbreak, and I don't know how many of you have heard this story yet, but there is one bright spot, and that is the story of a black cat named Binks who lived on the ninth floor of that building with his family 
and was there when the building collapsed and his family was okay, but they could not find their cat and they assumed Binks was dead. But a local cat rescue volunteer who feeds a feral colony on that block um, actually recognized a black cat wandering around the rubble as Binks and brought him to a local rescue organization called the Kitty Campus. And the Kitty Campus posted the cat's picture online and and he was identified very quickly by his family and has since been reunited with them. And it's just a wonderful, miraculous story. But what I love most about that story isn't even the cat being re- reunited with his family, although, of course, that that is, I mean, obviously the most amazing part. But my favorite part of that story is that a, a rescuer and a rescue organization played such a vital role in this reunion, and particularly the woman who was feeding cats in the area and recognized Banks as not being one of the feral cats she fed, but in fact, a cat who belonged to the family from that building. And so it just goes to show that that those of you who are volunteers and who work in rescue, there are all kinds of miracles that happen just because of what you do and the selfless grace with which you do it. So ever and always thank you to those of you out there who are rescuers or who support rescue organizations with your donations or by spreading the word on social media. We are all part of a vital ecosystem that, and I always say this, that helps not just animals, but also people, because when you help animals, you are helping people as well. And stories like this just really go to prove that. And on that note, we are going to discuss how to help both people and animals cope with this intense heat that is sweeping across the country. So chill out for just a moment, stay cool, and stick around for more Curl Up With a Cattail. for sticking around. I am very pleased to have a bona fide veterinarian and expert with us on today's show. She's a graduate of the University of Georgia's College of Veterinary Medicine and founder of Desi and Rue, a company that designs, manufactures, and sells solution-based pet products that enhance the lives of cats and their owners. She volunteers with numerous animal-related charities and causes and serves on the Alley Cat Allies Feline Forward Task Force. And if you can say that five times fast, you're a better person (laughs) than I am. Her upcoming book is called Indoor Cat, How to Enrich Their Lives and Expand Their World. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Lynn Barr. Lynn, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Is it okay? I, I just introduced you as Dr. Lynn Barr, and I'm, I'm diving right into calling you Lynn. And I hope that it, I absolutely you didn't, you didn't go to medical school for five years to be called to be called Miss. But it, I'm assuming mm. I'm hoping it's okay. It is perfectly okay. Um, and and you, I I believe, are in Georgia. You're in Atlanta, or on the outskirts of Atlanta. I am, and it's beautiful here. It's. Uh, really a, a wonderful part of the country. I've lived here for almost 40 years. Um, I, I still will, love Atlanta. 
I will agree with you on that. You know, I went to college in Atlanta and it, it is a beautiful tree-lined city. I, I always remember, and, and I was in college for, I won't even tell you how long ago, but I remember uh, the, the you know, what were, were then the occasional tall buildings. I, I know that there are many more skyscrapers in Atlanta now. Uh, there were a handful when I was there and standing out and, and you would just look out and all you would see would be trees, just trees mm-hmm. and trees. And it was so beautiful. It is beautiful here. And, and also hot, I'm guessing, because it is Georgia in the summer. You know, this year we're not as hot as the rest of the country, so um, it's, uh, I think it's, we're losing our title there. It's well, I'm from Miami, so I. But but we we are. You know, it's a little crazy to to see yeah. the heat waves that are happening, especially in the Pacific Northwest. I a few years ago, I was on tour during the summer with with a book. And I remember being in Atlanta and, and it was brutal in, in July and it was just brutally, brutally hot. And it being such a relief when I got to Portland and Seattle mm-hmm. and I could cool off. And now it kind of seems like the reverse is happening. It is the reverse. Yes. And, um, and I, it is delightful as it is to chat about the weather with a new acquaintance. That is, of course, not, not why I brought you on the show, <laughs> um, but to talk a little bit. And, and again, and, and I was saying this to you when we were chatting uh, before the interview started. Um, so, you know, there are so many servicey cat shows, cat columns, podcasts brought, you know, whatever the case, blogs, whatever the case may be out there. And, and it has never been my desire to, to, to to forge that stream, so to speak, um, but it, it's kind of hard to ignore the, the the heat waves that are coming and just how unusual they are, how unusually hot they are. And I, for one, I'm not sure, even being from Miami, that I am prepared to keep my own cats safe during them. And I would I would be willing to bet that a lot of my listeners also have concerns, maybe for their own cats or for cats they may be taking care of outdoors. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what we can do to keep our cats and, and all of our pets safe during these heat waves. And, and I guess the first question is, if you have a cat who is an indoor-outdoor cat, is it safe in 100-degree-plus in weather to let them go outside? Well, the answer to that is probably not. Um, you know, just like you and I, there are times when it's not safe for us to go outside and we should stay indoors. Um, It's really ironic that um, my first cat that got me into veterinary medicine, it was because of that cat that I became a veterinarian. I I actually took, uh, he was a, he was born to a stray mom in my apartment complex and it was July 4th, 1980. And I had been out watching fireworks, came home, turned on the news, and the newscaster was talking about the heat wave and how it was dangerous for small animals to be outside. And I ran out and I scooped up the mom and I scooped up the kittens and I brought them inside. And that day changed my life forever. <laughs> so, so one weather broadcaster <laughs> has, <laughs> has, has changed the entire trajectory of your life. Now, of, of course, and this was not necessarily something I was planning on touching on, but so many of the people who listened to this podcast are rescuers. They're involved in rescue. We all know that that summer is quote unquote kitten season. So if you are somebody who's involved in rescue what are things that you should be looking out for? And what should you be doing if you are someone who cares for, let's say, a feral colony 
of cats where you really don't have the option of bringing them indoors, what can you, what, so, you know, these are my two questions. What you should you be looking out for with cats who maybe you could bring indoors and what can you do for cats who you cannot bring indoors? You know, Gwen, I'm probably not the right person to ask that. Um, most of my work is done in veterinary medicine inside. So I'm not as connected with the um, TNR, the caregivers, and so on outside. Um, the first thing I have to say is if, if, if you're managing a feral, colony, a feral colony, you know, and they're untouchable and you're feeding them and you're caring for them, there's nothing you can do. Um as far as bringing them indoors, it, there, there's there's nothing. It's beyond your ability to do that. Um, what you can do is make sure that you're providing really cool water. Um, maybe taking a bag of ice out and um, you know putting a bag of ice in a bucket so that it's there for a, a little more length of time and it stays a little bit cooler. I'm sure that would help. Um, certainly building shaded areas or if possible doing kind of like the, um, you know, some uh, uh, kind of like the awnings or the umbrellas, if you could, if you could do those over trees. Um, But, you know, shelter and, and cool water is about the best any caregiver is going to be able to do. Well, so this was a question. Yeah. And, and so this was a question I had. So I know that many people who care for, for outdoor feral cats, um, in the winter, they will build certain kinds of shelters out of styrofoam containers or coolers or, or things of that nature. And I, I guess I'm wondering, is there anything maybe of the same material or different materials? Is there any kind of a shelter that you might be able to build? Or, or is it just a matter of creating a shaded area? Um, are, are cats better off going inside someplace? Or is that going to make them too hot, you know, in, into some kind of a, a, a you know, an, an outdoor shelter? Right. I think, you know, it, it really depends on what part of the country you're in and, and so on as far as like, you know, underneath a house, a crawl space is usually pretty cool. So those are great spaces to open up for cats to be able to go under. Um, but again, right now, if you're in Portland, you know, in parts of California or Oregon, where it's over 100 degrees, you know, people are dying. So I'm not really sure what we can do other than to hope that the cats are smart enough to find the coolest places possible. Um, it, it's brutal out there and, and I'm not sure how to combat that. Um, it, 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 it definitely is. And I think I'm wondering both for outdoor cats that you may be caring for or for your own cats indoors, what, are the signs, I think we know a little bit more with, with people, obviously, but what are some, you know, cats can be notoriously difficult to read, especially when they're uncomfortable. So what are some of the signs of distress that you should be looking for either for an outdoor cat or for your own indoor cat? Um, if, if they're getting too hot. Right. Well, generally they don't pant the way that dogs do. So any cat that's panting is absolutely having trouble. Um, lethargy, um, now I have to interrupt you at lethargy because at least speaking for my own cats, lethargy is sort of a daily (laughs) state of, of being year round. So how do I distinguish between normal lethargy and a worrisome lethargy? I also have a cat, by the way, who does pant, uh, sometimes just, he just runs around he's always, I've always referred to him as a dog cat. 
But if mm-hmm. he runs around and he's getting really excited, regardless of the temperature, he starts like, <laughs> um, and, and I think he, you know, he gets a little excited and he has to calm himself down. But panting aside, lethargy seems to be uh, endemic to cats. So is, is there something like, is, right. a, you know, a specific kind of, le- or you, is it really just about you knowing your cat and what's normal versus not normal listlessness? Yes. I think inside, I mean, you know, for, if, if it's uncomfortable for you, then, you know, that's, that's a reason to be alerted. But for most of us, we're inside, we're fairly comfortable. So we really don't have to worry too much. Um, well, so here's fact, a question that I have actually mm-hmm. about, because, and, and so this is a question I have. So I live in a, in a, as my listeners know, I live in a lovely, you know, Victorian, old Victorian house, um, beautiful high ceilings and, and all these wonderful things that, that come with it. But of course, one of the major drawbacks is that we do not have central AC, mm-hmm. uh, which normally is not a problem. But on the days when here it's getting into the high 90s, um, this is something that, that I a decision that I always struggle to make when I leave the house, let's say for several hours in the morning. I, I worry about leaving a, you know, in a, a, a wall unit air conditioner running all day uh, for anything from electrical fires to maybe a problem develops and it starts pumping, you know, carbon monoxide into the room. I mean, just, li- you know, leaving it unattended does not seem like a great idea, but leaving the cats in the house with no air conditioning at all also doesn't seem like a great idea. Um, so, no. You know, should we leave, you know, what if, if you're leaving for work in the morning and it's supposed to be 95, 100, 100 degrees plus during the day, do you want to leave air conditioning on for cats? And at about what temperature do you not want to let it get below or above rather? So, sorry. Right. Is it so I'm not familiar as familiar with situations like that, you know, here in Atlanta, there's very few people who don't have air conditioning. Um, also in Miami, air. where I'm from, it's, um, everybody has central air. <laughs> exactly. A, a new so experience I, you know, me. this is the first time I've ever kind of been asked this question. But <laughs> one of my first thoughts was, um, what about fans? Um, you know, is it possible to put fans in different rooms of the house to keep the air circulating? And, um, you know, they're, they're safe. And is that an option? Well, I guess my my broader question is how hot inside is too hot for a cat? So I don't have particular scientific knowledge on that at all. Okay. However, I will say that, um, you know, cats like it a little warmer than we do. I've they always like found that to cuddles. be the by the way. And yes, yeah, so they kind of like heat. I tend to worry, honestly, you know, I worry more about in the wintertime when cats are really cold inside. Right. Um, you know, we keep our houses pretty darn cold. Um, you know, we turn down our air when we go to sleep at night, so it gets cold. And um, I, I think that most of us keep the temperatures inside of our homes they're not as conducive to cats as cats would like in general. See, that's where my cats are winners that I'm from Miami because I do not tolerate cold indoors. <laughs> I, I am not used to it. And so in the winter, even if I'm not, the heat is just running continuously. I hate walking into a cold house. I hate waking up, you know, like turning the heat down and then waking up in a cold house. So I just set the heat to one temperature at the beginning of winter. and I pretty much leave it there until until spring, until the clocks uh, spring forward. 
And so uh, your cats are very happy. My cats are very, very happy. They, they snooze at, you know, again, we have these enormous old fashioned radiators and, um, right. and I put cat beds on top of them and Fanny, my, my, my cat who really likes tropical heat, it, it never seems to be hot enough for her. It could be a hundred degrees outside and she will go to the one room in the house where there's no air conditioning on, find the sunniest patch in that room and just sprawl out. And she's a black cat. So her fur just absorbs all that heat. Um, and like, I'll touch her and, and it, she's hot. Like her little tummy is, is very hot. But again, I wonder is that she likes it, but is that safe for her? Does she, does she know something that I don't know? Or is this something that I should be worried about? No, I think it's, it's safe for her. Um, you know, they do, they enjoy temperature a little bit higher than we do. And, you know, their internal temp is higher than ours. Ours is 98.6. Theirs is 101.5, give or take a degree. So they can go up to 102.5 and still be normal. So they can certainly tolerate the higher temps more than we can. Um, I think it's important more so to have air circulation, that it's not stagnant air, um, that, that it's circulating and putting a fan there to give that cat that may want the ability to cool down, to cool down. You know, we're all different. Um, I feel like I'm a cat and I, I do tend to like warmer temps and, um, you know, other people that I've worked with are constantly putting the air conditioner down at the office and we're always fighting over that thermostat. Yes. Um, you know, cats are the same way. So giving them choices, which is the thing that I talk about more than anything else in the whole wide world is, um, you know, they kind of need some choices. And if you have multiple cats, you'll figure out that they all have their own individuality and their own individual preferences. Um, so accommodating them all is the way I say to go. Well, that is, of course, the one advantage of not having central air is that we have, especially when it's hot, many different climate zones in our house. <laughs> there'll be some rooms that are very cold and some rooms that no one has been in for, for hours and, and that are just very hot and then kind of free zones in the middle that, that, that hover around different temperatures. So the cats always have, uh, have their pick of how hot or cold they like it, at least, at least while we're in the house. You know, if we're gone for a few hours, then it sort of evens out. Um, so that's perfect. And do you notice that each of your cats like their different areas? Well, like I said, you know, what I mostly notice, uh, Fanny likes heat. It, it really mm -hmm. just never seems to be hot enough for Fanny, or at least never so hot that that she seems uncomfortable. She will always seek out wherever the hottest spot in an already hot house is. Right. Um, Clayton seems to be less concerned with temperature than with either the comfort of what he's lying on or or with company. Although having said that, I will say that when it gets super hot, I notice him lying on, we have a, few, a couple of tile, like we have a, a sort of a screened in, or not even screened in, it, it's now a room in the house, but it probably at one time was a porch. Uh -huh. And so it has a tile floor as opposed to the wood floors we have in the other rooms. And so the tile, right. of course, gets much cooler. And that's where on the really hot days, he likes to sprawl out on the tile. Um, on his belly and and Fanny on those same hot days likes to go all the way to the top floor of the house and then the highest place in that room that gets the most sunlight and is the highest and sprawl out mm -hmm. on her back. So I, I guess those are the two uh, the two the two extremes in our house, right? And they get their choices um, and they have ways to um, fulfill them. You know, uh, you reminded me with that tile floor. There's actually a product out there. It's um, I think it was developed more for dogs and it's certainly marketed more for dogs, but it's the cooling mats. Ah. And there are these gel filled cooling mats 
that um, in and of themselves cool down, but you can also stick them in the freezer or the refrigerator and really get them cool and they'll last for hours. Um, so that's another way to kind of, you know, if, if it is a, a hot indoor house is to get a cooling mat and see which cat likes it. Now, see, that actually sounds like a great suggestion. I mean, I'm thinking of days where, you know, my husband and I both are, are it's going to be very hot. And for whatever reason, my husband and I who, who work at home. So we are we do have the luxury of, of being able to keep an eye on these things. But every so often something takes both of us out of the house, you know, for eight or nine hours on a hot day. Right. And, and that sounds like a great option for people in that position, maybe who either don't have central air or for whatever reason are, you know, not able to run an air conditioning all day um, and aren't sure if they're keeping things cool enough for their cats during a, a heat spell. So I guess my question, where are these, is this something you can get on Amazon or something you get from Absolutely, a veterinarian? Yes. Okay. No, nope, you get them on Amazon. Um, just put in cooling mat. I would put in dog cooling mat. Um, I think there's only three different companies that, that make them that are on the market. Um, and I, I, I can, if anybody has a problem, they're more than welcome to contact me and I'll search the companies down. But I did think of one other um, way to sort of get creative, maybe with some feral cats or even with the indoor ones. And that is in the clinic, um, you know, before, I'm an old vet. I've been practicing 30 years. And back in the day, we didn't have all these wonderful newfangled pieces of equipment that blow hot air in or that heat up the cage or that are warming blankets. And so what we would do oftentimes was take, um, you know, jugs of water and microwave them. Or actually, I'm thinking now in the reverse is to take jugs of water and freeze them. And they could be put in the corner of a box. Ah, and so they sort of serve as like a little mini refrigerator. Correct. Uh, Or a cooling station. Correct. That is a very interesting solution. Um, And and see, look at, see, you said initially that that you didn't have any solutions or ideas. And then we talk a little and (laughs) and ideas come. This is the creative process at work. Uh, I love that. Um, but right. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, because it's, you know, it's about being comfortable, but it's also about creating an opportunity for for the, you know, and, and a person or a cat's internal temperature to come down a little bit. That's, I know they have um, in, in large cities, they'll, they'll have cooling centers or cooling stations for the elderly or, or for the homeless um, people who maybe cannot sit all day in air conditioning, but so they can, you know, they can at least come in for a little while and, and exactly. cool down. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm thinking, you know, a box big enough, you know, every cat loves a box. They're all going to want to go in it, a box on its side with, um, you know, a jug of frozen water, big block of ice in there, you know, giving the cat enough room away from it that they're not right on it, but that that would really create an enclosed uh, cool environment. Um, I, I think that sounds like a great idea. And the only thing I would add to that is just make sure that it, you know, whatever the, the jug is made of, that it's something it's not, that's not going to crack easily from the extremes in temperature. Right. I, I, you know, usually people just are, what we ever used was the soda bottles. Um, Very good idea. So you can just freeze a bunch of soda bottles or, or just regular plain water bottles and put them in each corner. 
And, you know, for what it's worth if my husband and I, you know, sometimes if we're, if we're going out to the beach or maybe to a sporting event on a super hot day where we know it's already hot and we are going to be in the sun for hours and hours and hours, we will freeze a bottle of water overnight and take that with us so that exactly. we, you know, have that to cool off with over the course of the day. Um, I think that's a fantastic suggestion. And, and I certainly hope that, uh, that anybody listening to this who is taking care of a feral <laughs> community, um, has, has had a similar eureka moment. Um, right. we, I have one backyard cat who I've been, and we do have a deck, you know, with an under deck area and I know he's been hanging out in there, but I've been a little bit at a loss as to what I could do to make him, you know, possibly more comfortable as the temperatures here climb. And, and I am very excited to, to put this plan into action and, and see if he goes Great. for it. And I'm excited to, for you to let me know how it works. <laughs> I will definitely do so. I, I will for sure keep you posted. And and along those lines and, and ideas for enriching the lives of our cats, I, I know that you have a book that is coming out relatively soon that is dedicated just, you know, specifically to this topic. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, you know, I was, I've been practicing for over 30 years and in that span of time, Um, my patients have changed dramatically. Uh, They used to be outdoor cats. And I used to spend a good bit of my day um, suturing up abscesses and dealing with parasites and all of the things that I used to treat cats for um, have changed through the years as their lifestyle has. You know, they went from being outdoors to being indoor outdoors and and so no. this has been an evolution in the philosophy of how to keep cats, basically, right? I, I know that growing up, people had indoor-outdoor cats. And now, at least here in the States, the prevailing wisdom is that cats should really be indoor only for the most part. Correct. And, you know, we've we've done a really good job of convincing everybody that they should keep their cats indoors. And most cats are being kept indoors. But um, there's another side to that coin that's not being talked about, not being discussed and really not being addressed very well. And um, that is the fact that we're, we're changing the cat, the, the types of illnesses and diseases and problems that they're having has totally changed. And I question really the, the, several myths and fallacies that are put out there about keeping cats exclusively indoors. Um, And so the new cat that I see, the indoor cat, we've given the indoor cat a name and that is Felis Interius. And I feel like it is a cat in a a new breed all in of itself. Um, This indoor cat that has never stepped foot outside has you know, breathes climate controlled air, has never walked on grass, has never eaten grass, um, and so many things like that. So this book is really dedicated to the indoor cat. These would be my cats, by the way, who are New York City cats, who now live in Jersey City. And, um, and I mean, they've eaten cat grass, and we have a little bit of a catio, you know, on our back deck for them. But I w- it would be going too far to say that they are indoor-outdoor. They, they are indoor cats. And, and we try to create, you know, again, a number of different environments for them. We're, we're lucky, you know, we have just this rambling old white elephant of a house, you know, where, where we can sort of create high and low. And, and some rooms are all windows and some places have no windows at all and, and that sort of thing. Um, 
but you know, it, it just sort of is what it is. They, they started life in a, in a Manhattan apartment and, and here we are. Right. And, um, you are a well-informed guardian. You are in the industry and you are cognizant of the fact that, um, your cats are indoors and that they do need enrichment and that there's so many things that um, are required of you to make their life better. So your cats are, are, you know, they're the creme de la creme. They're, they're living a really good life. Well, those are Um, the cats I have now. You know, I always feel kind of guilty about the cats that I, I had in my younger years when I didn't know as much. And uh, before I was a person who wrote about cats and talked to so many people like you and, and so many people in rescue and, and, um, and other cat owners, you know, when I was on my own living in, in a tiny apartment in New York for a while. And I, I wonder sometimes, you know, my, my cats now really benefited from, from the experience that I have now and did not have once upon a time, you know, in my, in my right. salad days, in my lean years. Right. And, um, you know, that's part of the problem with, you know, my profession and rescues and, and, you know, people involved in cats to just give a blanket statement, keep your cat indoors, you know, they're safer, they live longer, you know, they, they can't ever go outside. Um, but they never take the next step to explain all the things that your cat needs now that your cat's going to be indoors, now that your cat isn't going outside. Well, so tell us about some of these things. You you know, what are some of the things that that a cat who is living an indoor only life is going to need? So the first thing is to actually realize that it's, it's um, a captive animal. It's living within four walls. Um, This past year with the pandemic, we all got a really good taste of what it's like to live within four walls. (laughs) And then some. (laughs) Yes. And, um, you know, if we look back and we we read all the studies now that are coming out and so on, people suffered. They suffered mentally. They suffered physically. Everybody gained weight. They, you know, stopped exercising. Um, There's depression. Um, The pandemic was hard. We, we all suffered. Everybody was affected by it. And the isolation was, um, you know, really awful for, for many people. Some, some thrive through it. And that's the same with cats. And so I think it gave us a really good opportunity to kind of step back a minute and say, uh-oh, this is, you know, our, our cats are feeling the same thing. They're in four walls and they're not able to go outside and, and, you know, explore and do all the things that cats do. Um, so what did we do during the pandemic? We took up new hobbies. We began finding games to play and puzzles to do and creative ways to get on Zoom and, and meet with our friends and have some happy hours. And, um, you know, we managed it. And so that's the point that we're at with cats and indoor cats is, we really need to start talking a lot more about how to manage it and what to do with them and, and how to open up their world a bit. Um, I find it being as easy as opening your windows, um, opening the blinds. You know, I, I live in a subdivision. I drive out. I look at most of the houses as I'm driving, you know, out and everybody has their blinds closed. And I know there's cats living in those houses. Um, people don't want people looking in. And so simply opening up blinds in some homes is enrichment for cats. See, that is that, it's hard for me to imagine people 
you know, that's one, that's something to be honest that, that I've always associated with depression is having blinds closed all the time. Uh, but I mean, I guess, you know, again, it's so different too. When you live in a city, it's, it's very rear window, you know, like, like the, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, you're looking mm-hmm. in people's windows. People are looking <laughs> in your windows. It just kind of is what it is. You know, I, my husband and I should probably be a lot more now that, now that we live in Jersey city, which is the suburbs um, and not to shock anybody listening, we should probably be a lot more aware of the fact that we're walking around sometimes naked with the windows. open. <laughs> but, but we honestly, in New York, it's like, whatever, dude, if you're looking, that's your problem. <laughs> right. Like I can't live my life. I can't adjust my blinds to your comfort level. I close them at night. I open them during the day. That's how it is. And, um, but yeah, it's, I, I guess a point well taken. It's not something I think about that often. Cause we just always have our blinds open until the minute we go to sleep. And then they're open is literally the first thing I do when I wake up is open the blinds. Um, but yes, I, I guess that's I, not necessarily a common thing everywhere. It's not. And, um, you know, for many years I had, um, sort of what I considered my ministry, but I did at home euthanasias. And um, I did it one day a week, and it was sort of my service back and my way of giving. Um, so it's a lovely I, thing, by the way, that was it was a wonderful option, uh, you know, for for me to have. Uh, particularly, I mean, just speaking is uh, you know, a- allow me to thank you on behalf of people, especially those whose cats are so terrified of vets' offices that it was very yes. traumatic to think of that being their last experience on this earth. You know, as being. Yes. To- brought to the place they found most traumatic in the world. Correct. Um, It was, yeah, it was more meaningful for me than for anybody else because it really truly was my, my way of, of just kind of giving, giving that. And, and again, it it was, I, I view it as my ministry, but it allowed me into so many cat homes and I know the reality of what's behind those doors. And it's, loving, caring people who go to the ends of the earth for their pets enough that they pay an exorbitant amount to have somebody like me, you know, be there for the last, you know, breath of their pet. And again, I, I see what's behind closed doors and um, our, the interiors of homes are designed and are um, set up for the human inhabitants and not with the pets in mind. Well, so Um, what are some of the things, sorry, aside from, from opening blinds, what are some other things things that we can do? Sure. So the next thing is just open windows. You know, cats are breathing um, air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter and all they smell are what we're cooking and what we're cleaning and what we're putting on our bodies and, what chemicals we're using, um, a cat's sense of smell. They're so, I mean, that, that is their whole world. It's how they start out. They come out of the womb and they don't see, they don't hear. All they do is smell, um, to live in four walls for a cat and never smell the outdoors, I think is a crime. Um, Opening windows is so easy, even for five or 10 minutes. And anytime anybody does, the cats run to the window. I, I can verify that. Again, we, we you know, living in a house without central air, um, we have a lot of, of open windows in this house. And, and it sort of goes with, with opening the blinds in the morning. And, um, and Fanny, especially, she just, she runs and, and her little nose goes in the air and she's just smelling all the air that's coming in from the outside. Right. 
I mean, our inside is actually toxic to cats and it's not what they should be smelling all the time. Um, so these are like really easy things and, and it doesn't take much. It just takes the no, thought and, and, and the realization. And it's a relief to hear because I think some people, when you talk about enriching an environment for a cat, I think a lot of people start thinking about very expensive cat trees or toys or things that they might not have the budget for. And, and those things I, I think are nice too, but it's also good to know that just it's things as simple as opening the blinds, opening the windows just a couple of times a day, you know, at least opening the windows for a few minutes a day, um, things like that can have a meaningful, can make a meaningful difference in a cat's life. Absolutely. I think a cat enjoys an open window more than just about anything else. Um, um, again, I think you're probably right about that. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, I hear, well, you know, I don't want the air conditioning going out. I don't want the cold air coming in. It, it's about us. And right. we're reluctant to do that. Um, but if we're going to keep cats inside of our homes and lock them up in there, these actually are, in my opinion, essential. And, um, you know, like we just said, they're easy. It, it's something everybody can do. They can do it every single day. And it doesn't matter where you live or how many cats you have or how big your house is. Um, you can do that. The other thing that is um, not difficult, we've talked a little bit about it, but that's grass. And um, I'm probably the only, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only veterinarian, but I, there's not many people who talk about grass for cats. Well, cat grass, um, they, used to, they sell it actually at my grocery store, um, right near the right. checkout. They have a huge, I mean, it, it's not anything fancy. It's just these tubs of of dirt with cat grass in them and it's labeled right. cat grass and I, I love bringing them home for my cats. Right. And beyond that though, there's other greens that your cat could eat as well. Again, if you think about a cat outside, you know, they're, they're they've got all kinds of grasses to munch on and some like thin leaf and other like broad leaf. And um, so, you know, I grow a blend of grass for my cats. I uh, do a blend of rye, wheat, oat, and barley just so that they get a variety. Uh, sometimes people buy wheatgrass for their cats, and, and that might be a little too harsh if that's all they're eating. But um, this is something that the average cat owner is not aware of. And um, well, I honestly of- would never have thought about it if I hadn't seen, you know, like, like the display labeled cat grass right in front of me, to be honest. There you go but it's enrichment and um, cats enjoy eating grass and cats that don't ever get outside crave it. Some cats do. And those are the ones who are kind of door dash. Um, you know, that it's one of the behavior problems that people talk about, but the cat runs outside. First thing they do is they find a pump of grass and they start eating. Um, um, you know, that, that actually tracks my cat. Homer was the only one really who was really into cat grass. And he was also a total door dasher. I mean, sadly, you know, we lived in apartments where the, the, he would dash to a door that also did not lead outside. Um, right. I think he was just curious in general. But if somebody listening to this wanted to to try to experiment with cat grass, you know, get some for their cat, see if they like it or, or what kind they might like, where might they be able to find, if they don't have a grocery store like mine that just, you know, plops a, a whole truckload of it right in the front of the store? Well, Amazon has um, a bunch of options. Um, there's a lot of idiot-proof grass kits. By, That's good by because many, I'm an idiot who can't grow anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, by many different companies. They There's several out there. Um, I actually buy, um, I think it's called Priscilla's, but I buy Priscilla's seed 
off of Amazon and it's a blend of rye wheat, oat and barley. And I actually, I have a routine every Sunday. I have a, a couple of terracotta pots, the dollar 50 that you get at Walmart, the little pots. And I fill it three quarters of the way with soil. I put a handful of seed. I put another handful of soil over it. I water it. And by the next Sunday, I have at least two to three inches of grass. And I bring the new pot in and I take the pot that I've had inside and I dump it and I start my new one. And I rotate Sunday to Sunday. My, my cats always have a pot of grass to munch on if they want to or if they don't. Well, that, uh, that sounds like a delightful experiment that we, uh, we may take up here in the Cooper household just Very to, uh, cool. just to see, just to see what comes of it. Very um, cool. It's a five minute exercise. Um, and for those who want to just, you know, buy a plant, you can buy them. Um, cats like lemongrass, they like spider plants, uh, look on the internet for the list of all the safe plants, but, um, you know, people have to be careful with, with flower deliveries and plants that they bring in. Cause there's a lot always. of toxic plant, you know, plants for cats that, you know, yes. um, and cats that, that don't have access to greens. They're the ones who are, who are, you know, they're dying for it. And I mean, I say that literally because the arrangement of flowers come in and they start chewing on them and then they're in the vet club. No, anytime um, anybody sends me flowers and there's lilies in, in, in the bonsai, they go immediately into the trash and, and, it, and it makes me sad. Um, but I, I never want to run the risk that so much as a, a speck of pollen is exactly. going to leave that plant and, and end up on a table somewhere. Um, well, but that quick, is why cats go to the plants is because they've been, they've been dying for their greens. They've been they've dying been for greens. No, absolutely. It and it comes in and, you know, I've had clients tell me that their cats try to chew on their plastic plants and, and that breaks my heart. <laughs> that, that, yes, that, 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 that is a shame. That is definitely sad. Although again, I, my cat Clayton, who's not very bright. He broke off half a tooth chewing on wood. He likes to chew oh, on, God. he likes to chew on wood and metal. And I'm not really sure what that's about. Um, but he's, he's very sweet. He, he's not the smartest cat. I have ever lived with, but he is definitely, <laughs> he's definitely the sweetest. Uh, he really, he's such a lover. Um, but you know, get, bless his heart. He is a, if he were a person, I'd say he's one of God's special people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but real quick, before I start down that, that road, uh, my mushy little boy, tell us a little bit about Desine Rue real quick before, before we, uh, before we end things, tell us about your, uh, your, your solution-based pet products and, and the way they enha enhance the lives of cats and their humans. Well, the way that my July 4th, uh, cat Rudolph got me into veterinary medicine, my, Two indoor cats, Desi and Rue, got me into um, Desi and Rue. I my cats had never been indoors before. These were the two cats, first cats that I've had that are exclusively indoors, and they changed my life. I mean, that's why the book. That's why these products. Um, I realized that that we are talking a, a totally different cat when you're talking about an indoor cat, and they are special needs. Um, so I, you know, my practice, I, I was watching the evolution of different, uh, diseases and, and illnesses that were cropping up because of keeping cats indoors. And it got me into really talking about environmental enrichment and looking for products and trying to help owners, um, with behavior. And 
I, I began looking at, at families as a whole and more holistically um, as to the dynamics in the house and, and the living situation. And again, with the euthanasia service, as seeing inside of homes, I realized that there's just a huge need for products that the cats will really play with. Um, you know, too often people buy toys for their cats and their kittens and kittens will play with anything. You don't even have to buy a toy for a kitten. That is um, very true. And, um, and then everybody once, you know, once the cat's two or three years old, they go, oh, my cat doesn't play anymore. Well, well, all cats play. I mean, I know 20 year old cats that play. That's not true. That's like saying, you know, the minute that, that we're 30, we no longer enjoy life. Um, And it was a matter that um, none of the products out there, well, very few products out there are really designed to engage cats. They're, they're pretty for us. We like how they look. They're cute. They're this, they're that. But they are not designed to interact with cats. So what are some of the, the kinds of toys that, that you have designed? And, and how are they different from what you might find at your local PetSmart? Well, so I like to make toys out of paper and natural products. Um, I want cats to be able to chew on them. I want them safe. Cats do not like plastic. That's not what they're going for. Um, I make toys that sound like the prey that cats go after. Um, They're not chirping birds. You know, I'll sit outside on our catio with the cats and the birds are all over the place and then they're loud and you hear them. And that's not what the cats are listening to. What they're listening to is the rustle in the leaves on the ground. And so one of my toys is the fluttering and that's what it sounds like. And, and so I, I just, you know, I, I, it's funny, but I do, I speak cat and I am just instinctually very in tune with, with cats and, and, um, and what turns them on. So my toys are designed to, to do that. They, they're very interactive and they all address different issues that cats have, again, that I think are essential. Um, One of them is a paper tunnel that kind of combines a box and a bag and a tunnel. It's called the hide and sneak. And and it's probably the most therapeutic product I know of on the market, period. It it is meant for cats to have their own own room. and, And it just, everything about it speaks to them. Well, that uh, that sounds like uh, most cats' dreams come true, except again yeah. for Clayton, who lives to be on display. He he is the, <laughs> he is the opposite of the cat. You know, I I've always heard like like there are you know there what it would say there there are tree cats and then there are bush cats and and right. you know and then there's Clayton. Clayton is a where can I arrange myself so that I am as conspicuous as possible. Um, but again, Clayton, Clayton is a very special little guy. So he, well, I have a product that he'll love that I'm going to send you. It's called the magic carpet. And, um, it's a plastic sheet that, that is, um, every cat goes and lays on it and they all start rooting in it as Ah. if it's a pile of leaves, but it's perfect for cats to sit on display. So that is right up his alley. That sounds, that sounds like Clayton's dream come true. You know, Clayton is the only cat who I not only have ever lived with, but I think I've ever even heard of. He likes going to the vet. 
And he likes going to the vet because everyone pays attention to him there. Uh-huh. And he does not care what they do to him. He doesn't care how many needles they stick in him uh-huh. or, or when, you know, to get the stool sample, they stick like the thing in his little tushy. Um, he he really, he does not care at all as long as they're paying attention to him. And so he always gets such a big greeting at the vet's office because he's, <laughs> you know, these people who love animals and then they they devote their lives to animals who are terrified when they come in. Right. You know, right. And, and Clayton is, is like the only cat. And it's even better when he does, when it's a new vet tech, you know, when he's seeing someone he doesn't know, he <laughs> loves, he loves strange. It's very weird. He's very uncat like in so many ways. Um, but, uh, oh, but I love it. But but he's uh, he he's like a vet's dream because he he's the he's the cat the veterinarians who love cats dream of having in their practice because uh-huh. he's actually <laughs> grateful for what the veterinarians do which is a very <laughs> a rare and wonderful quality in a cat for sure that really is yeah right oh. <laughs> he's not grateful for anything I do by the way <laughs> but he is very grateful <laughs> for what the veterinarians do just so just so I don't make him sound like you know like an angel from heaven he is uh, he is still a cat. <laughs> But um, well, if people want to learn, if they want to see more about your your toys, which sound very intriguing or, or learn more about what you do in general, where can they find you? Um, they can look me up at Desiru.com. It's D as in dog, E as in Edward, Z as in zebra, I-R-O-O.com. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us today and brainstorm some creative solutions for, for hot kitties in, in these heat waves we're experiencing and I mean, for everything that you do for, for your patients and for the cat community in general. Well, thank you. I thank you for all that you do. You really bring joy to people with your books and um, the way that you connect the cat world is amazing. Well, I, I, I thank you. Um, and we're going to keep doing this all day, but really it's there, man, you're, you're, you're in it. You know, you are hands-on, you are on the ground and, and it is, <laughs> it is tremendous work that you do. And, and I thank you for it. And um, and I thank everybody for listening to us here today and for joining us for another episode of Curl Up with a Cattail. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode and try to stay cool until then. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name, and your cat's name included in my next book or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me and don't forget to hug your cat today.